Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am also co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as the graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly, <clears throat> and the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. Uh, and we're on social media at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And on Twitter, we're at pwcomicsworld. This week on More to Come, Alan Moore, the last interview and a few comments uh, from us. Um, the Angolim Festival uh, in France is coming up. Image Expo and Marvel, Star Wars, Dark Horse. We'll break it all down for you. All right. All right. Uh, Alan Moore, the last uh, interview. Uh, was it the last interview? I think that was something along, uh, well, along those lines. Well, interview. Um, where do you even begin on this tangled web? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, as I recall, he uh, it, part of it started out of an, uh, out of an, of an evening with Alan Moore. Yes. Uh, really to launch a biography, um, right. I think written an not, authorized biography, an, but one that Moore yes. was not displeased. Yes, with. absolutely. And that he was he was generous, though he did not sit for the interviews right. himself. Or I think I have his, yeah, his friends I, and well, family. Yeah, like I said, it wasn't an authorized. Yeah, it wasn't biography, authorized, but it was uh, one that he had yeah. read that he didn't think was uh, horrible. By uh, um, Lance Parkas. I don't. Know, I think I'm mangling his name. Yes, Lance um, Parkin. Parkins. Yes. yes. Um, uh, and I believe the book is called Magic Words. Um, uh, apparently, uh, there was some <laughs> issue taken with Moore's work. It uh, drifted over to the internet, including um, uh, calling his use of, uh, obviously, one of the characters from League of Extraordinary <coughs> Gentlemen, uh, calling it racist, uh, the Gallywag. Right, Gallywag. Uh, yeah, uh, well, it, well, it's called the, the Gallywag in Alan Moore. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. In League of uh, but it's descended obviously from a character that, uh, to most American eyes, would look very much like, uh, you know, a sambo or minstrel character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it went on to even um, uh, the the complainer, uh, who I don't have a lot of details about. Uh, he was some sort of academic. His name is Will Brooker. He okay. is an uh, uh, academic. Uh, he's written a couple of books about Batman. He's right. a respected film critic in the UK and, um, um, you know, pretty well known right. academic, yeah. kind of pop culture y, uh-huh. academic y mm-hmm. kind of guy. Uh, um, and, and he sort of had a full out attack on, uh, I mean, uh, why is he using uh, or, or quote unquote attempting to reclaim, uh, why is a white right. dude <laughs> attempting to reclaim a black uh, character with <clears throat> of dubious uh, origins? Well, and. And to be fair, having seen it, it's not like when they were trying to bring back Will Eisner's The Spirit and took his uh, minstrelly drawn black character and then kept a character with the same name and background and drew him in a normal black person way. Um, (laughs) Alan Moore's Gollywag looks like the Gollywog. And so even if he's trying to address a racially problematic thing, He's kind of still repeating the image, so I can see why people would find this problematic. It's because it still looks like that. No, it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, <laughs> just for for what whatever for what it's worth, uh, you know, <laughs> for those of you on the podcast, I happen to be black. You know, I, I don't have much problem with uh, Alan Moore um, choosing anything to try to 
uh, create art out of. Uh, that said, um, uh, you know, other people uh, may have a different idea about that. But he certainly answered in great and copious detail uh, any concerns you might have about why he did this character. Mm. I would send you to the um, yeah to the essay. You know, I think uh, just to be full of disclosure here. I mean, the interview was originally offered to me mm-hmm. to run uh, at the beat. And um, uh, I wanted to give it a little bit more context, and um, it had been uh, requested that it run exactly verbatim. And, uh, you know, I I felt it was best that the interviewer, Padrego Mayloid, who is a very Mm -hmm. well-known Alan Moore scholar from Ireland, Mm -hmm. I felt it was best if he just run it on his website and get all the traffic. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, it mostly consists of Alan Moore... Uh, kind of defending himself against yeah. these charges of racism and then sexism, you know, talking about yes, the, a lot of people say there's a lot of rape assault. in his work. Yes. Well, I mean, there is. Right. But, you know, to be fair, I will say on this one thing, you know, he also points out there's also an awful lot of sex-positive, consensual yeah. sex in his books yeah. as well, you know, with lost girls. And I, you know, I mean, I don't think it's like, you know, I mean, when you say there's a lot of the good stuff, there's also a lot of the bad stuff. But, I mean, which are we supposed to... You know, well, and but, I think I, mean, I think he makes think a good that, point too. I think that, I think in to, terms of what? Yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of his own work, uh, uh, in terms of how much sexual assault is uh, approached in other uh, areas of the contemporary culture. Well, I mean, okay, I, I, I actually I find it kind of basically a smear campaign no, against I, Alan Moore. I would if you disagree. Ask me. And, well, that's fine. I, but, but, okay, finish your thing. Well, uh, Alan Moore finishes. I'm not going to. I don't. I don't need yeah, to defend really Alan need to Moore. Defend Moore. He can defend himself. But my notion is that uh, this, it, in the short, uh, uh, shortened version of what he says is that I don't see how you cannot include sexual, uh, a whole range of sexual incidents in contemporary work. And the notion that somehow that someone's counting up the number of sexual attacks in his work. I just find it bizarre and, I mean, and why do you, beside I mean, the point. I mean, why uh, you know? Uh, I mean, for you, anyone creating art, I do you just think, think that it's the, bizarre. Well, I mean, do you feel that it? I mean, the positive portrayals of is that what it's come to now? Over that, outweigh that the, keeping ra- a score the card. Of rape? Of, I mean, if you put too, if you put too many assaults in your novel, then you're like a bad dude. Well, and if you Kate don't put any say. in it at all, then you're a good dude. Let's hear what Kate has to say because obviously okay. she's okay. thought about this. I mean, I'm I'm probably the dissenting voice here because. While I agree that Alan Moore is a genius and I've enjoyed a lot of his work, I'm not part of the Alan Moore Booster Brigade. As as far as I'm concerned, he's he's a very important figure in comics and he's written a lot of great stuff, but I've got some issues with some of his things. And I do feel like his portrayal of rape in many things is, is not just, is it not only there, it kind of feels a little prurient. Like, I was very troubled by not only the fact, by by his portrayal and the way he portrayed and framed rape in Watchmen and in some of his other works. I mean, it really felt... It it just felt gratuitous There's at the time. There's a right way to portray rape? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, look, I disagree with that. I don't really think there is a right way to d- display rape. Well, I mean, and I'm, I I'm think not, okay. to certain that, Now, I think you can object to anybody's portrayal... But the notion that there's some approved wef- method of okay. representation okay. flies Calvin, in the face of all art, Calvin, in, in my Calvin, view, can I ever. Can I finish what I'm saying? Yeah, let, uh, Kate, sure. let Kate have her point. I'm not Calvin. saying that there's like one approved way you to do... You just did say No, that. I said there's a... I mean, when, I say, when you say there's a right way, that doesn't mean there's only one right way that anyone can ever do it. But I don't think it's wrong to say that you can read something and be troubled by it and... Well, that's not what you said. No. Okay, what I meant is... 
is that you're, you object to the fact that I even thought there was a wrong way to portray it. And yeah, so, I do. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that you can, can portray things in a way that comes off as problematic and that is, it, you know, you kind of, it, it felt a little skeevy reading You're saying it. you personally felt, had a personal, well, uh, no. a, you were personally offended by a work, but you're projecting this to me that across there's some absolute standard for judging. Well, Whether a, a portrayal is appropriate or not? Well, I'm, I'm not saying that someone should, like, have a law that says no one shall do it. Well, I agree with that. I, I think you should, you know, everyone can have their own artistic judgments, but that doesn't mean that you can't say, you know, I, I think this is problematic. Well, I, well, I think, can, can nobody's I, can saying I, you can't can I, do that. Can I jump in here for just a minute? Because, I mean, I think that we're really, you know. I'm not talking about censorship. Right, right. No, you're not. I, I'm, I'm talking about. I, no, it's clear. And, I mean, I think what you're saying is, is very clear that in, in the works of Alan Moore, there's definitely some prominent, you know, prominent rapes are definitely part of some of his work. I mean, you know, Evie is threatened sexually in V for Vendetta, although, you know. Uh, I mean, The Watchmen is definitely one, and I sure. think it was very sure. it was very well, ambiguous how it was compa- compared. I guess I'm not saying I think Kate has every right to be. But oh, no, I, I, I feel like I feel like we're more time yelling. Here. I think Calvin. we are too. Yeah, then I, I did too. actually we're discussing some the stuff right. up here. But, but you know what? Let me just nobody right. saying that she can't object no, personally but to Calvin, the work. Calvin, let me let me finish my thought, okay? Uh, because what I was trying to, I'd be more interested in finding from Kate. I mean, it's whatever. I mean, I think you can be disturbed by that. I mean, I think, but Calvin. What I want to say is that I do think Alan Moore has also portrayed female sexuality very positively, okay? And I'm like, I mean, have you read Lost Girls? Well, for one thing, it's really hard to get your hands on a copy of Lost well, Girls. I have one in my house if you'd like to read it. I, I would. Be my guest. But okay, um, I would be fascinated I would, by your I would thought. be interested. I have been interested in reading it, but have not been able to get my hands on it. It does have it. child sex bestiality yeah. and every other yeah. kind of but I, I have read. I have, I have, it's kind of positive. Oh, yes. I have, I, let's put it this way. I have read a lot of Alan Moore stuff. Mm-hmm. I have. And the thing that bothers me and that makes me feel that it's not wrong for people to raise an eyebrow at some of his portrayal is sometimes it seems like he and he is expecting the reader to kind of get off on some of these rape scenes to think that they're supposed to be hot albeit in a troubling way and I mean it, it just the Sometimes you read it and you wonder what his attitude toward women is. Right, and you know, and, but just to get well, to you know, be you don't fair, have to guess well, what his uh, yeah. uh, attitude toward women is. You know, the, he has written down what his attitude yeah. is, as well as being able to judge from his work. But but go on. Well, but well, I, well, I, mean, I think the notion thing, that you can't figure out what Alan Moore's uh, re- response to women is based on the because you have a personal problem with his representation of. But I would also say But I would also say a lot of rape. But I would also say that. But I but but. Like I said, I think he has a lot of positive portrayals. Yes. Prometheus is a very positive portrayal well, I'm, as I'm, well. I'm, you know, have you read? I mean, yeah, I, yes, I, I have. haven't finished reading Prometheus, so I, you know, but what I read of it was very positive. So I'd be more. I, I mean, I'm not that. saying that. I'm saying not saying that someone's positive portrayals cannot. They they don't erase the fact. Right. I agree. That yes. neither erases the other. Right. Right. You right. Can, yes, I agree. And the fact that someone says a bunch of things about like blah blah here are my thoughts on this doesn't mean that as a reader you can't 
read things and yes. make a judgment right, about right. it. And, and, I just think, and you don't well, need to no preface everything. And you don't need to preface it by like, <laughs> oh, it's my opinion, and therefore I can't well, make a moral judgment. But well, I think, you should, I think you should uh, preface it with it as your well, opinion. Well, it's obviously your, it's your opinion. I don't think You're it is either. It. Not in the discussion that we're having. It wasn't clear at all. I think you need to well, be clear. Well, That's I, all I'm saying. And I also... And I think because when you say a charge like that, it's a complete smear. And you need to be careful that you choose your language. I think... Thoughtfully, and I think not just I think there's a difference. Out. I think there's a difference between saying this person is a bad person, which I was not saying, and this portrayal is not good. Right, and you can say this portrayal is not good, and other people can disagree with you, but yet you can you don't preface. Oh, this is just my opinion. When you say Alan Moore is good, you know you, yeah, you know well, you can express your opinion <laughs> yeah. on something. That was and, my opinion. Well, go on. You know, I mean, I I don't think I should. Or anyone you should need to, anyway. to to bring out a whole raft of credentials and apologies in order to judge the great Alan Moore. I think I agree that, with that. Uh, we're but all I, held yes. count accountable for what we say and what we think we mean. But you know what? I think we're really, 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 really getting off on some kind of personal tangent here. And I <laughs> think it would be... Like you know what? Let me bring this back to what the original like spark that set off this conflagration. But you know, everything that has to do with Alan Moore is sparks a conflagration. Yeah, you, know, you know, I'm they're, part they're of some message passionate board. Passionate yes, fans but, uh, and detractors. Uh, but... Um, yeah, but I'm just saying. I think this just say not Alan Moore. Everything he does is soaked in rape culture. I think that's very unfair. I, I think no, it's totally. I mean, unfair. It, yeah, I think it's unfair to say that's all yes, he does yes. and that's everything he does. And some, it's not. Yes. That's not true. Well, the notion that he's a racist, listen, I think, is completely and, ridiculous. Uh, well, yeah, but I, let's just say I don't think the Gallywag was his finest creation either. So well, no, it wasn't. An, and for him to sort of think that somehow or other people are going to ignore the visual impact mm-hmm. of that. Is a little bit naive, yes, uh, even yes, though he exactly. brings all of the scholarship it to the well meaning character and yes. all of that. But obviously, it's understandable. I mean, somebody sees that they see Sambo. Yeah, at least Americans. Absolutely, the British yeah. may see in something England, else. They have a very and they have a very different you know attitude towards a lot of the history. And they have a very racial, different history. Yeah, and I will say this: yes. that I found uh, outside of the U.S. and between continental U- uh, uh, Europe, uh, not not Britain, in France and the like. These kinds of Sambo figures seem to continually still be very popular, and I think they still turn up in advertising. Yeah, well, look at uh, Memin Pekin from Mexico. Yeah, yeah, you know, like <laughs> you just still a beloved character. Exactly. So, you know, uh, but you know, this is the world we lived in. We live now in a world of competing representations. Uh, I mean, yes, these things are upsetting. Uh, they're not going away, really. They certainly they disappear from mainstream culture to some extent. Um, but they're constantly resurfacing through the uh, the collective id of art. But, they will never leave. Yeah, it. you know, we haven't even gotten to the controversial part of the interview yet. <laughs> Wait, that wasn't the that controversial was, part that, of no, the interview. No, it wasn't really. No, no, it was. It was. Oh, it part. was the part where he didn't like superheroes. No, no, that wasn't even it either. I would think it was the part. You, you know, just to you know, again, kids. Remember, on the podcast, sometimes I say things I would never put in writing. I think when I received this interview in my inbox and was lying in bed reading it before <laughs> I went to sleep, and I turned to my husband and said, "And now." For the herpes-like persistence of Grant Morrison. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. I I, that was that really? I mean, I, I suppose that was a, the most controversial part. It was certainly one of the funnier parts yes, of it. That um, goes on for like 5,000 words. See, about. I, I don't think that's controversial. I think that's just just beautiful comic slap fighting well he, he, between he issues a number of uh, backhands to a number of uh, uh, oh, of uh, personalities during it's the whole thing it's beautiful 
uh, and he does it quite well. Uh, I mean, Alan Moore certainly is, uh, you know, thin-skinned, and he's earned his right to be thin-skinned. At the end of the interview, he says he's not going to, he's retiring from public yeah. life, and he's not going to leave his, his, his cave mansion well, anymore. I think he's kind of retired before, hasn't yeah. he? And <laughs> I, I think it would from probably responding. be more productive for him to retire from the internet. Yes. That, but he's uh, not on the internet. But he doesn't, you know, he doesn't. He, he he's People have to kind of bring him up to date, as he says himself. Well, a lot of people... Did bring him up to Run to him with this. The, with yes. what's and, going and, you know, on. What they can't wait to tell him yeah. what somebody said about him. It's and like, it's like tattling very... to the teacher. Yes. You know, like, if the man wishes to not Google himself, I don't know that we should Google him for him. Right. Uh, can you imagine if Alan Moore was on Twitter? Oh, Holy my God. Crap. I sort of well, feel like one of the, there I should be a fake was. Twitter. <laughs> right. Well, there You'd is. have a I million followers. Is. Well, you know, <laughs> speaking, anyway, Alan Moore, we've talked about him dozens of times here before. He seems to proc. You know, and we didn't even crop- talk about the films. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't even talk about <laughs> that. Right. But you know, he pops up every month or so here, and uh, always raises uh, temperatures and uh, thoughts because he is a magician. He has the yeah. magical power to confuse everyone. You know, I I, I feel like <laughs> good description. All I can say is is I will believe it when I see it when it comes to Alan Moore retiring for public life because Alan Moore cannot allow anyone to have the last word. Right. He's incapable of allowing other people to have the last word. He may get in his last word two or three years later. Later. Yeah, but there you go. but he will as, as see his many humorous imprecations toward Morrison. And could we just inject really quickly that his comment about um, superhero genre? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, talk about. Oh, it. sure. Yeah. Uh, if I may say so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, look, it's it's this is a great genre, uh, kind of made uh, certainly in this country. It has pretty much created this industry, but you know, really, is he that far wrong? I, I, I mean, <laughs> is it, I, I'm not well, sure think, his take think, on the genre is... I think the reason why people, uh, when he says that, you know, uh, superheroes are for baby men and, and retarded people who live in their father's cellar, I think the reason why uh, people get more upset about it is because he admits he hasn't read any comics in the <laughs> last... Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I know, yeah, and I mean, you know, to be fair, I'll be honest, I don't think superheroes have advanced much past Watchmen. In fact, they haven't. They've never surpassed Watchmen, but they're really good pound for pound There's right some, now. Some really There's some very great good ones out here. I mean, I, yeah, I, think, I think surpassing Watchmen is not a thing because Watchmen was separate. Watchmen was a commentary. And to say something should surpass that is kind of like it's a different thing. It's yeah. like, I don't know. But <clears throat> but I do, but it, you know, it's, it's troubling. It is troubling that someone who made a lot of money doing superhero related things and commenting on superhero related things and so on is saying it's terrible when he hasn't read any for 20 years, I think it's a legitimate gripe of people to say when he's this florid in his dislike to say, you know, you got yours and got out and they're now spitting on all the rest of us. And how do you know what we're doing? Because you've never read it. Right. Well, somehow I really don't believe that Alan Moore is completely detached from any of the superhero work that's being done. I mean, even in the story he talked about the, the notion that uh, he was more responding, I think, to the Avengers movie um, in some other comments to him. So be that as may, um, Alan Moore isn't the only um, prominent writer that, uh, or certainly a, or critic of the, of the uh, superhero genre to talk about why are we still obsessing about uh, these franchises that were created, you know, 80, 100 years ago. 
No. Um, he's not the only one to sort of wonder when is this industry going to move on yeah. to, to but, new. Yeah. And in <laughs> fact, one of the great things about the moment we're in now is in fact that the superhero uh, genre does not dominate completely in the way that it used to. Yeah, I, th- I think that there's a difference between you know saying that the superhero genre is not and should not be the be all end all of comics, and you know the over the top unloading that he did, which is fine. He can have his opinion. He That's cool. Can. Feel free, <laughs> Alan Moore. But um, you know, I mean, I, I think superhero comics are they sort of occupy a mythic place mm-hmm. in in pop culture. It's like the there's a niche in the psyche that's not being filled by you know mo- most modern well, religions you know and so and so <laughs> well, because that's a good point <laughs> and because we don't have you know uh achilles and odysseus filling the public psyche at the moment everyone does batman and superman and whatever yeah well i i mean i think that's great except that uh you know warner brothers and disney weren't calling the shots on achilles and odysseus you know although maybe <laughs> but it i mean was that's like, why people are attached right to or it. you know maybe that's people are emotionally Her- attached Herod to it. had this uh you know franchise back in ancient greece with what what he was doing you know he's so, so like you know branding um uh, you know that's a very familiar argument I hear made, and and obviously given the huge popularity of superhero movies and even superhero TV shows, uh, you know these characters here. Are, I mean, you're absolutely right; they do have a huge resonance. Um, I think people, it, yeah. the the emotional reaction of people to a story has nothing to do with whether it's corporately owned, right? And so this can cause a lot of unfortunate blowbacks. Yes, but when they're shitty corporately owned comics, as sometimes they are, well, um, when they're well, crappy, then, they, then they, they're well, crappy. And, and a lot of them were crappy during the gold, you know, during yeah. the silver age, the Let's bronze be honest, age. The yeah, there age, are a lot the pewter of age. The, I mean, if, the superhero comics yeah. have come to kind of speak to us in a way now. Yeah. Maybe but, they were never but intended to. I mean, what to I'm trying to say is that, that whatever golden age exists in your mind, um, you there know, are always crappy it, comics. Yes, and there's always it's always somebody's golden age, and I think yeah. right now people who think it's a golden age. Uh, you know, stuff like Daredevil and, um, you know, Batman, Scott Snyder's Batman and uh, Hawkeye and, you know, Young Avengers just wrapped up. I mean, Marvel's doing some great stuff. There's, uh, yeah. you know, there's I mean, some I, very good comics yeah, coming I th- out. I think, it, it yes, it, the industry was very unbalanced mm-hmm. when superhero comics dominated it as a whole to the degree they used to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's good that we've moved past the need for just superheroes and that they ate the comic book shelves. Um, but, you know, I mean... Well, first of all, they're not going anywhere. Just they're because Alan anywhere. Moore doesn't yeah. like them. Yeah. Well, no, I know. And, and he is <laughs> totally... So, I don't know. It's a suggestion. I, don't I get worried out there, I folks. Put they're not going him. anywhere. Um, but, and and this Moore. debate uh, over the genre will continue. Um, you know, the, the fact that superhero comics have become what, much more sophisticated than they ever were, certainly when I began reading them. Um, but, you know, I mean, Moore's notion that, you know, haven't we, aren't, you know, in this, is there some generational lapse where we, we can't move on to different genres? But actually, I think we're probably living in a time now where there are more people who read through a variety of genres yeah. in comics, yeah. in American comics. It's a lot less before. balkanized than it used to be. I think... And also, the rest of the world does not have this fascination and obsession with you know people flying around the sky that Americans do. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, well, exactly. well, every well, culture's got. I mean, 
you know, the French and Jerry Lewis, whatever. Yeah, you know, Every culture's got their thing, Listen, man. the French are very, uh, you know, uh, fascinated by right. other well, things. touche. As I'll find out very soon myself. Uh, you know, speaking of Alan Moore, even though he says he's withdrawing from public life, he may be forced to take the public stage in a bigger way than ever because oh. he's one of the finalists for the Grand Prix Award of Angoulême Comics Festival. Which kicks off next week, and I, for the first yes. time, will be there. Yeah. So it's very excited. I think we've mentioned Quite this before, awesome. but now I'm actually, you know, making meetings and lunches, and uh, I have awesome. my dining guide with where the best goat cheese is. So <laughs> very excited. But anyway, one of the um, one of the signature events of the Angoulême uh, Festival International du Bain des is that they give out awards to a lot of comics. And there's been a lot of talk that the awards are getting a more populist. For instance, The Walking Dead was nominated for an award, mm-hmm. which is a shocker. Um, uh, they also present for the Angle Grand... It does seem like yes. a bit much, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I think a lot of the perceptions we have of Angoulême mm-hmm. are uh, very much colored by the fact that <clears throat> nobody really goes there and covers it. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm hoping to find yeah. more... The secret, the truth behind the myth. But it, for most of us who have watched from afar, it really yeah. seems as though the you know it's more of a European style comics festival yes. where really high literary cachet seems to be what drives prizes. Yes, I, I guess, and I could yes. be wrong. Yes, about that, yes, you know. yes. Well, yeah, it branched I mean, into some manga I mean, in the past. You know, you got to remember, there's a lot of the most popular French cartoonists are are Hergé and you know Franquin is huge. Those are kind of the alpha and omega French comics, and you know these guys were the equivalent of uh, Charles Schultz and, um, you know, True. Jack Kirby. I mean, mm-hmm. they were popular. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. They weren't yes. obscure. Let's put it yes. that way. But anyway, uh, be that as it may, the Grand Prix Prize is presented every year to the cartoonist of the year, or it's kind of a Lifetime Achievement Award, and the winner gets to be the Grand Marshal of the following year's festival. Uh, Art Spiegelman has won it. Um, um, let's see, Drouet has won it, I believe. Um, Enki Bilal has won it. I mean, a lot of uh, great cartoonists, mostly French, have won it. Uh, so this year, last year, there was a big controversy because the winners in recent years have tended to be kind of uh, people like I was just mentioning, like older mm. French cartoonists like Zepp, I believe, won, who aren't really household names outside the Franco-Belgian comics belt. Uh, and I think some of the members of the voting committee, which includes people like Jean Svar and um, Trondheim, you know, mm-hmm. some of the L'Association members, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of wanted to jazz it up or bring it a little bit more into line with international comics. So mm-hmm. last year there was a huge uh, voting block for Akira Toriyama, the creator of Dragon Ball Z. It's kind of a household name, the world around, yeah. let's put it this way. I think yeah, pretty much everybody's seen Dragon Ball Z at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there was a lot of who voted against Toriyama, so he was given some kind of anniversary prize, and he was robbed. Yes, and Willem, <laughs> who's a perfectly fine, acceptable, older French cartoonist, was given the award. Right, but, but didn't didn't Toriyama get more votes than Willem? Yes, he did, and then and there so was I. Don't you win the prize if you get well, the most votes? Well, I'm not sure. Like I'm, like I said, I'm. Apparently there's a lot everywhere. of everywhere. There's a lot of dirt. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of investigation I need to do when I am in French, uh, France, and I well, wish I spoke French. Well, this sounds like French. a spicy right, blue spicy here, blue. yeah. Well, this year it's gotten even spicier because oh. this time they proactively uh, sent out a list of cartoonists who were not on the short list, hmm. including Marjan Satrapi, um, Bill Watterson, uh, Otomo, a lot of really, mm. uh, and a bunch of French cartoonists as well, mm. a very cosmopolitan, up-to-date list of cartoonists. Mm. And uh, then apparently, I'm not really sure, but what uh, the reporting of this has been very vague. But apparently, 
they said uh, like half of them voted again for a more modern cartoonist, and the, but then the other half said they were boycotting the final vote. Now there's going to be two votes. But as it stands now, <laughs> what I again a lot to discover. As it stands now, the three finalists for the Grand Prix award, which is pretty much the biggest award mm-hmm. in comics, are Alan Moore, uh, Bill Watterson. And Katsuhiro Otomo. So two of the biggest recluses, <laughs> like one of whom never does a public <laughs> appearance. Uh, the other refuses to travel more than 10 kilometers from his house. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Otomo. So let's hope it's Otomo. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right. Otherwise, it's going to be pretty funny. All right. Well, well it, it, yeah. Well, we'll tune see. in. Uh, I didn't be an yeah, sorry, covering sorry it all to forever. lay all that yeah. uh, intrigue on you there, but, uh, but you know, more to come. Don't on be that. sorry. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, and, and expect lots of good coverage coming out of Angolim about many things as yes. well as the Grand Prix. Yes. Uh, certainly not. Uh, so we segue to um, the newest edition of Image Expo. Yes. Lunch yes. Uh, Last week, the week before. Yeah. A lot of stuff um, coming out of there. Yes. Yeah, Image Comics has really, uh, they came up with a good idea, and, and it's working for them. They've really used Image Expo, which is essentially a single publisher, that single publisher being Image, uh, media event um, held, uh, where is it, at the... Yerba Buena Center for Arts in downtown San Francisco. Uh, and they basically, it's a media fest for all of their artists. And also, from to give a little business news, updates about Image Comics, uh, I think uh, publisher Eric Stevenson basically just, uh, you know, uh, recapped a, a really extraordinary year for Image Comics. Sales were up 20%, but uh, he announced big new creator deals yes. um, every time uh, and some they really a, impressive ones every that. time they hold an image expo it's always like you know who are they going to get this time and um, you know, five year deal with uh, Ed Brubaker yeah. right yeah. and uh, and um, uh, Sean Phillips uh, signed yes. a five year mm-hmm. deal so this is kind of uh, interesting exclusive it's like well you know what if you had a movie studio deal that you could just um, you know green light your own projects so that's pretty great for them but yeah. you know to be fair they've been at Image for quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, these are guys with a track yeah. record. It, 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 yeah. He's not just signing up Joe Blow off the street. Yeah. Um, um, and and then there's also now deals with uh, Bill Willingham and Scott Snyder. Yeah, so that yeah. was kind of like a big, uh, that was sort of the big get, I think, this yeah. time in uh, Scott Snyder. But, you know, Scott Snyder has done a book with Image before. Well, uh, I mean, well, yeah. I, I think such I success think, with DC and, and the Batman yeah. franchise that yeah. you, it's, he's starting to associate with that now. Yes. So to see him yeah. actually doing a project specifically for Image is pretty impressive. Well, I, I mean, I, I still think that William's a bit bigger get than, well, yeah, I think than you're right. Snyder. And I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, uh, I mean, longer. I mean, yeah. well, not like that, but but he's he's a little, I think, better pitched at the Image crowd, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see how their he's, comics do. Yeah, it will very it'd be very interesting. But um, you know, some other people, uh, Chris Burnham and Grant Morrison are doing a new book. Uh, um, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey are doing Ooh, a new book. Ooh, that's yeah. a nice I mean, team. Actually I really like that team. Is since the last time they were there, starving to death, and now they are, uh, you know, uh, returning to conquering heroes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kelly C. DeConnick has a new book mm. called Bitch Planet. Uh, Matt Fraction a new, has yes. a new book. Uh, and Casanova, uh, Matt Fraction's mm-hmm. book, is uh, moving from Icon at Marvel to Image. Okay, I'm, to I'm image. going to say something that's maybe a little controversial. I think that uh, Fraction, I mean, for all he's gotten a million awards for his Marvel stuff, that, um, you know, I- I'm happy to see Fraction doing his own thing oh, separate. Yeah. Because well, I, I think... feel it's, I mean, aside, Hawkeye aside, I think it's a better fit for his talents. Yes. 
yes. For him he, to be able to build his old well, world, because then he really gives full scope to his sheer loony creativity. Yeah, and I mean, he's done some great mm-hmm. stuff at Marvel, no question. But, uh, you know, I think Sex Criminals uh, is an awesome book, and, um, you know, one of the best ones of last year. Uh, anyway, so it was another triumph for Image, um, and it is all Image. It's really Image on the go, man. Image on yeah, the rise. Yeah. They are um, really, um, you know, just hitting uh, on all cylinders. The story that we ran um, about, um, that Bridget Alveson did about um, dealing with Apple and mm-hmm. their banning was probably was one of our heavier traffic stories. I mean, people want to know about what's going on in Image um, because they've got great books. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah. Um, and speaking of of um, non big two large American publishers, Dark Horse has hit a bit of a bump in the road. Um, I mean, you kind of could see it coming. Marvel is part of Disney. Star Wars is now part of Disney. Disney has moved Star Wars from Dark Horse to Marvel. The only thing is that Dark Horse, uh, Star Wars was its bread and butter. Um, they had a very large Star Wars line. It brought in a lot of money. Well, yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying that they'll sink without it, mm-hmm. but it's going to be hard times for Dark Horse. Well, you know, after it. the story came out, yeah. Mike Richardson did release uh, some figures showing it was only 3% of their profits because uh, they probably paid an awful lot of money in licensing fees for Star Wars. I mean, I don't think it was, it was, I mean, it definitely was a huge part of their line. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying that. Uh, it's interesting. Three percent, given yeah. how many books they put out, yeah, is right. Quite low. Um, I mean, that's uh, maybe they yeah. should have relooked at that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, um, go, go on. Oh well, go on. what I was just going to say. I mean, I think what really was uh, a stand uh, standout about the darker Star Wars line was just how well integrated it was mm-hmm. with yeah. the entire expanded yeah. universe. How closely they worked with Lucasfilms, and um, you know, certainly the books really were very high quality. I mean. Uh, a lot of them fit into the quote-unquote canon of the extended universe. And now with the, the Star Wars movies being rebooted, however, mm-hmm. it's expected that all that extended universe crap is just going out the window. So bye-bye, Mara Jade. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is that... <laughs> the thing well, is that Marvel... I, I the, meant crap, ironically, yeah. by the way, Star Wars fans. I know they were very good books. So. <laughs> Marvel has, unfortunately, not the world's best track record when it comes to tie-in books and yeah. when it comes to promoting Disney licenses yeah. that are not Marvel. I mean, as witness what happened with uh, the kid Disney tie-ins and Boom and Marvel. Yes. Like, we're going to get ported to Marvel, but hardly anything is coming out, and, whereas they had been very lively sellers with Boom, yeah. with a lot of great stuff coming out. So you kind of wonder whether Star Wars fans will really be getting many comics worth the name out of Star Wars now. Well, the audience at Dark Horse was eager for new Star Wars they are. Uh, adventures in comics mm-hmm. format. The audience at Marvel might not be. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, still the same people going to the comic book shop. Yeah. So, you know, well, I think see, they I would, mean, if it was there and it was good, I think they would buy it. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, th- this is a real more to come. <laughs> yeah, it, it, actually, mean, because I, look, their their the franchise of Star Wars: The Dark Horse was mammoth. I mean, it was they huge. So they many books. devoted huge resources to this. They, I, I think, possibly. I mean, Richardson has says that he's a he's a Star Wars geek. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, uh, clearly they, they have the resources yes. to do that as well. But they are they're sort of giving up an institutional memory. They, I mean, they. I can't even keep up with Star Wars. 
And they have it's amazing that the, the books that they yeah. publish yeah. across so every conceivable notion about Star Wars there is. So yeah. we'll, we'll see whether Marvel can do as good yeah. a job. And I, I I mean it'll it'll definitely be a different job. But you know, guess what? Like there's a whole new Star Wars coming. There's a new yes, trilogy on yes. the way with JJ Abrams yeah. and you know, hopefully he'll change it from the mythic stories that we all love as a kid to another generic action film as he did with Star Trek. <laughs> well <laughs> well um, it does have the advantage that it's a sequel and not a reboot. <laughs> yeah. So therefore He's not pretending the movies never happened. So, points there. Yeah, well, J.J., we're watching you. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. The and eyes of the world yeah. are upon you, You know what? Yeah. And I think Dark Horse is going to do just well. They're moving on, and they're moving to a new yes. distributor. Yeah, I think that's in, really important to point they're out. They're moving to a new distributor Dark, in January. Yeah. They're moving to Random House, um, and I, I think they're going to be just fine. Yes, and Dark Horse has had a long time to prepare for this, yes, and absolutely. they've been ramping up their originals line with a lot of new things. And um, This was anticipated yes, it was. from the they moment that, that Disney got. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, they had to know the writing was right, on the wall. Right, right, right. So. Uh, uh, but but I actually say I, have, I find it very heartening that it really was only three percent because given what a large percentage of their titles it was, yes. I was expecting it to be a much larger percentage. Yeah, of their well, profits. Uh, you know, again, uh, they must have been paying a pretty big licensing fee. So I'm sure they're anyway, a huge licensing fee. <laughs> uh, okay. And speaking of large fees, in briefs news. Um, San Diego Comic-Con is changing how it does badges after all these years. Um, you will no longer get a two-day, three-day, four-day pass. Each day is ticketed individually. And Unless while- you're a pro or the press, then you get a four-day badge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. If, you, if, if, if you're purchasing <laughs> a pass... Um, you. This is why people hate the media. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like Disney World. Actually, you can buy it for however many days during your vacation you want to go. So, uh, I mean, you you don't need to go through the whole online ticket quasi lottery more times. You you pick what you want, and you only need to do it once. But you know, if for example you want to take the day off to I don't know wander around outside the convention center and see all the outside displays and events. You don't need to pay for that day, and then your slot in the horde of people going to San Diego Comic-Con can be purchased by someone who wants to go that day. So I think it's a way they're trying to find of of getting more different individual human beings in without having to get a larger convention center. Yeah. Actually, I, I I quite approve of it. Yeah, you know it's something idea. New York Comic Con did, and um, mm-hmm. so it's kind of the way things well, are going. Well, no, that's that's not what New York Comic Con did. Yeah, they you, sold more individual badges for each day. Well, they did they sell still, more right, individual right, badges, but they right. they didn't go they to full had, on right, right, only individual right, yeah. badges. But they are, did mm-hmm. kind of start this idea of let's make fewer four day badges and more individual yeah. days, which San Diego has really expanded upon. Yeah. yeah. San Diego's just taking it to the next level. Yeah, and and obviously they're in a crisis here. I mean, people want tickets, mm-hmm. and there's just no way to get any more people into that into that hall. So yeah. this makes sense. It's the fairest way to do it, and you know, hopefully, it will will allow a few more people to get inside. Yeah, and and I think even if there aren't Besides any media. more people in the building at a time, yeah. having yeah. fresh wallets in there yes, right. exactly. certainly that's can't good, hurt. That, that's a good, another good point. Yeah. Another good point. Um, okay. Uh, also, in in the line of giving fans what they want, uh, DC has announced that for the first time since the new Fifty Two, Wally West and Ted Cord now officially exist. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's right, you guys. They exist again. Um, as someone commented, Booster Gold will be very happy about this. 
Um, both characters were written out of the history of the rebooted DC Universe and had their devoted fans. And now both of them will be coming back in the near future. And um, thank God, the long national nightmare. Yes, over. exactly. You know. Well, but you know, they were very, very popular characters yeah. who yeah. got canceled in favor of of less popular. Yeah, characters. but you know what? So, I, I, you know, that's just the nature so, of the beast. I mean, well, yeah. no, but I mean, you know, we you know, it just meant that yeah. it's a it's a smart yeah. move Absolutely. to bring them back. Yeah. There's good, good no move. reason exactly. not to have them there. No, I, okay. Um, speaking of smart moves, uh, Japan has recognized the importance of anime as part of their cultural recognize the importance of anime as part of their cultural soft power. So, in order to promote and encourage this, they have started their own Asia-wide television channel, the Japan Channel, which will fund um, new anime and bring them to the region in order to increase people's love of Japan and hopefully get them to vacation there or maybe make treaties with Japan. <laughs> <laughs> well, this the, the, this prime minister's been doing this for a while, hasn't he? Uh, well, the, the, well, he's he's now starting a television channel. Yeah, because so that's a whole new right. like he had up he was until speaking of manga at one point, if it wasn't. Yeah, he uh, had yeah. he had spoken about the importance yeah. of manga. And the Japanese government had, in fact, sponsored a teeny little booth at New York Comic Con, basically saying, do you like manga? Maybe you would like to come to Japan. <laughs> um, but this is taking it to a whole new level, creating a whole television channel, funding manga, funding anime. Um, we shall see. Um, it has not come to the United States yet, but it may yet. Kelvin, there is a yes. comics event you want to talk about. And yeah, and uh, just briefly, uh, the, uh, a, a new exhibition uh, has opened at the uh, Rutgers Camden Gallery in Camden, New Jersey. Uh, it's called Compulsive Stories, Narratives, Narratives That Must Be Told, uh, told uh, curated by an independent curator and artist, Cheryl Harper. It really brings together 15 artists, artists, 10 of them are comics artists and include names like Peter Cooper, um, Justin Green, uh, Durf, uh, John Durf, Back Durf, Sandy Jimenez uh, from World War III, uh, in addition to other kinds of artists. And it's really a story kind of about artists that have very compelling narratives, uh, some of them really neurotically driven, but um, have, have chosen, uh, among other things, to use comics uh, as a vehicle to tell them. Um, but uh, in in conjunction with the exhibition, there is also going to be a, a, quite a bit of programming. Uh, so if you're interested and you can figure out how to get the Rutgers Camden uh, Gallery in New Jersey, go for it. Uh, um, uh, on uh, January, Wednesday, January 29th, uh, the fabulous Chris Ware will be giving a um, a presentation uh, at 7:30 p.m. free to the public. Um, there, the the uh, other artists will also be at the reception. And then on April 4th, there's going to be a panel discussion that includes um, David Small, uh, the author of Stitches. Uh, Peter Cooper will be there, uh, as well as some other uh, other galleries, um, other other artists that are uh, comics artists that are in the show. So worth checking out. Uh, compulsive narratives at the uh, Rutgers Camden Gallery. And uh, in final news, space opera is uh, making a big entrance into the comics world uh, with two major licenses that I would not have expected to come out this way. Um, Dynamite is bringing back 
Flash Gordon, and they're not just bringing it back with some generic writer you've never heard of. They're having Jeff Parker write it. So, um, you know, keep your eyes peeled. And in a license that I would not have expected because it's been, what, 20, 30 years since he started the series and never bothered to comicize it, um, David Weber's long-running space opera, uh, Honor Harrington, is coming to comics now. I guess this is just proof of of the growth of comic adaptations um, from Top Cow, and it's going to be written by Top Cow president Matt Hawkins. Yep. Um, so the the you know, band's flagship giant ships exploding in mid space epic shall come to a comic store near you. And With Flash that, Gordon there, you've kind of got a, the old, um, you know, space the, the adventure, old space the old opera. space cowboy, and a new space opera coming up. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's something for everyone. And uh, no doubt there's a few space operas in between. Mm. Well, you know, Saga, it just made yeah. them realize <laughs> there, there was go. a market. There you go. So, <laughs> all right, well. Uh, that, that wraps it up for wraps this up week. For the day, but uh, there's always more to come. More to come.